Get ready for Real Talk with Pastor B in 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Talk with Pasha B. We are here again. A beautiful day in Atlanta and we are ready. I think we're ready to get into this topic, but I know Shanika. Hi Pasha, how are you? Hey girl, how are you? It's wonderful. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. So, are you going to do some introductions? I for am. Us? Okay. I am. So, we would like to welcome Kevin. Kevin, yes. say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. Hey. My name is Kevin Welp. Hey, Oh, Kevin. we giving full government names. <laughs> okay. Hey, scared. <laughs> hey. <laughs> right. Kevin is our in-studio guest host. And on the phone, we have Lady Chan. Hello. 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 So on today's episode of Real Talk with Passion B, we will be discussing the challenges of dating as it relates to dating individuals with mental health challenges mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or possibly being that person possibly being that person with a mental health challenge i like the term mental health challenge or mental health disorder as opposed to mental illness yeah mm-hmm. mental illness sounds so Blah. Yeah. So negative. I get what you mean. I definitely feel like um, when it comes to like the diagnosis of mental health, it's very important. And Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like dating, like whether they're a romantic partner or a sexual partner, I feel like, well, at least. (laughs) Because one doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean the other, right? Yeah. It Mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, There are two different words for because. You know, they have two different meanings. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? know. Everybody don't know. And I feel like if you're going to be dealing with someone long term, whether it be sexually or romantically, I really feel like, you know, talking about um, any diagnosed mental conditions that can affect your connection with that person. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely has to be discussed. Um, and also just really just practicing that open, clear communication, even though, you know, even though I'm personally not diagnosed with any mental health um, like illnesses or anything like that, but at the same time, I don't blame people who are diagnosed with mental health disabilities mm-hmm. um, for not out the gate like saying, "Hey, I got a little bit of schizophrenia," right? Or, "Hey, I got." Can you say like, a little bit. Like, like, hey, I got like this or that. You know what I'm saying? Because. Technically speaking, you're not obligated to let me know. But at the same time, you know, depending on what, like, like your own personal philosophy, along with that person's personal philosophy on, like, how communication should be within a relationship mm-hmm. or a situationship, that's up to your, you know, thing if you want to let them know that or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And right. for me, as someone who's not diagnosed with a mental condition, I can't just be like... Nick, you should have told me. Blah, 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 right. Blah. You know what I'm saying? Because um, it's their space, it's their life, and it's their own particular mental health. I cannot push them over that cliff. You know what I'm saying? That's true. I can only be compassionate and understanding towards them, sharing that with me. So we have to also grant them the space as well to be able to speak for themselves. Jan, what about you? What do you think about um, that? I, I've been in five relationships and... Out of the five, I'm going to say two of them dealt with not doing their work. And that I think that's a main issue with a lot of people is maybe you're not like diagnosed with something, 
uh, from a doctor, but maybe, and I feel like everybody has their drama, which can lead to drama trauma where people are doing things, accusing you of things, not dealing with their issues from how they grew up and, you know, what they saw and what they think is, oh, this is how you show love to somebody. If you don't do this, you must not love me. And dealing with all of that, if you meet somebody and they haven't done their work, anything you do to make the relationship great is not going to work. Because I went from meeting someone 15 years ago, having a great friendship, having um, a two-year relationship of just bliss to that turning into 15 years of constant good times, shitty times, bullshit. And then now we have like a two-year-old and court all last year and now he took a plea deal and there's no communication. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes when you spend time with people and you have, um, you know, the ups and the downs, you could have that. But if somebody's not willing to work on their shit, mm-hmm. it's going to be pointless. It's going to be pointless. And you're going to throw years of work and time and effort away over you not being ready. And I think the key is to meet someone, spend the time. Uh, have your boundaries, know your needs, know where you're at, and mm-hmm. be able mm-hmm. to deal with your shit. Mm-hmm. So, do you think we have blinders on? Um, the gog, what goggle eyes, googly eyes, googly eyes, or beer we're goggles? So in love that we Hell don't yeah. see the obvious. Yes, and we don't want to address the obvious. Yes, and that is why a lot of people stay in relationships that they know aren't going where they want it to go aren't growing, but they're too scared to stop and start over because they're going to look like they failed. No, you're going to look like you set a boundary for yourself. You know this is not going somewhere and you're going to start to fix it. I want to briefly go back to what Kevin said. So at what point in time do you think, especially in the dating situation, mm-hmm. um, would it be appropriate for someone to share with you that they they're going through something? Within the first two to three months. Well, well, for me, um, I I wouldn't put like a time stamp on it. I would more so put like a feeling stamp on it, if this makes sense. Like, you know, when you have like you and someone else's um new situationship or romantic relationship has developed and matured a little bit more over time, and you guys have reached a new level of reality where you guys are more comfortable talking about like the intimacies of your own mental health and like the things that like you don't just say to a random stranger on the street you actually like develop that connection a little bit more I feel like when the both of you have mutually felt that you guys have stepped into that space I think at that point is a time to talk about that or at least maybe have a conversation with yourself first if if you're the one that's diagnosed with the mental mm-hmm. diagnosis, if you'd mm-hmm. like to talk about that with them. But also operate on the philosophy that you are not obligated to tell them that. And I know that, like, some people might be like, well, damn, like, you probably should have told me. But at the same time, it's like, technically, not really, because it's their own mental health. Well, and and I get that. But let me ask this question. Isn't that a part of their bag? Like, bag in terms of what? What they're bringing. Mm, I don't really look at, like, a mental health diagnosis like a baggage. Well, let me say this. When I say bag, so 
I don't, I don't even necessarily mean that um, with a negative um, mm-hmm. hue on it. Okay. So if you have children per se, yeah. that's a bag that you're bringing in. Um, right. hmm. If you have... Um, if you have, if you're, if you don't have a job, that's a bag that you're bringing in. Yeah. If you, you know, there, there's so many different types of variables of things that you bring to the table or you bring with you when you enter a relationship mm-hmm. and the relationship is two parted. So if the person that you're dating does not have the ability mm-hmm. to deal with your condition at what time period do you allow for that person to be like, eh, I don't want to deal with this? Um, well, I think uh, mm-hmm. when you when you both get to a point where y'all both know why you're entertaining each other and y'all have that conversation and it would be appropriate and mature of you to be like, okay, you know, if we're going to do this, let me just tell you a bit about me and um, what I deal with. Because the issue is when you don't... Uh, be upfront about what you're dealing with or what you do deal with. Uh, you don't know if that person had a parent that dealt with um, someone that was depressed or someone that had a, uh, you know, mental illness and they just, not they're not ready to get into that. So if you d- didn't bring it up and then y'all six months in or y'all year in and they this was never brought to the table, I feel like it's kind of stealing a person's ability to make a decision. I think it's stealing the options. Don't take my options from me. <laughs> yeah. Don't take my options from me. Because because um my last relationship, uh, I knew him uh, BK. And when I say BK, before I had kids when I was living in New York. And um, we decided to try a relationship. Um, where we will be physically in each other's lives with our children. He has two children. I have two children. And he discussed with me that he deals with, he suffers with depression. So I said, are you seeing a therapist? Are you taking anything um, about, you know, that's supposed to help you with your depression? No, no. So that just told me like, you're not ready to do your work. And I can't be over here raising two kids and you having two kids and you're not willing to do the work. So I had to end that. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be with people, especially when you bring in four other children that are ready to do the work to make it work because it's always going to have limits and boundaries that y'all not going to be able to cross together. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like, um, you know, if my specific man was diagnosed with a mental um, disorder and has not taken any um has not taken on any um anything to help like remedy it or like you know help him have a better grasp on it mm-hmm. i do feel like at some point um you you do have to talk with me about that because whenever an episode comes about and you don't really have a grasp on it and it really starts to affect our relationship then i feel like that is something that um you, you, like, I would definitely encourage you to talk with me about that. Mm-hmm. But with my statement earlier, I was more so talking about with uh, someone who is diagnosed with a mental disorder and has already taken that those steps to, like, having a better grasp on, on whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like, at that point, it's like, 
you're 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 doing whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you're operating as healthy as you could be for the sake of yourself mm-hmm. and also our relationship. And I mean, and and that's where I was saying, like, when it comes to being obligated to like telling someone, it's just mm-hmm. like not really. But for me, it's it's like a like it's like a strong. You're not obligated if you have taken all of the steps to make sure that you have a healthy grasp on like just making sure like you're moving about life healthily or as healthily as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I cannot. And me personally, I'm not diagnosed with any mental disorders. So I can't really speak for that. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I, I can only speak for myself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And also, um, we're talking about individuals who have been diagnosed. But um, from what I see out here in these streets, it's a whole bunch of folks that's not diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we kind of get into that, um, I just want to mention some common mental health disorders. Um, we've already mentioned some, such as depression, but um, also included in that is PTSD, yeah. anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, mood disorders, including um, anger issues. Mm. Um, so when we're talking about individuals who we think may have undiagnosed um uh, issues or illnesses, how do you approach that conversation? Have you ever been in a situation, um, Chan, because you sound like you, you've had a few, ma'am, mm-hmm. um, where you had to potentially, you know, suggest to someone that, you know, you may want to go lay on somebody's couch. Dead wrong. That, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You may want to go see a therapist to address some of your issues because I cannot help you. <laughs> Chan? Is she there? Chan, are you there? Hello? Kevin, you can go ahead and answer that while we... Well, um, I feel like there's a lot of people um, that are undiagnosed when it comes to their mental health um, who may have something. So, I mean, even if, you know, you could meet a guy on... Like, like you can meet, you can meet a guy who you're really interested in mm-hmm. and things may seem fine, but I mean, he may have um, an undiagnosed mental disorder mm-hmm. that you probably have not picked up on. You know, just because like he like it's not like some really like really big brash like signs of something particularly mm-hmm. does not negate the fact that there could be something, but it just shows in other ways that you may have not realized that it can manifest in. Absolutely. So I feel like at the very core of this subject, I feel like, I feel like everyone needs to really exercise the, the like privilege of therapy and really like- Self-care. Yeah. It is a form of self-care. That's Mm -hmm. one of the many forms of Mm self-care. But particularly in our Black community, it's definitely not the first, you know, choice. Mm -hmm. Which I completely hate the fact that that is the norm um, in our community. Because a lot of times when I do talk to our Black peers, you know, they think of therapy as something that is very, like, outlandish. They think that you have to really be going through something super duper serious to to go to therapy. And um and that's not the case at all. But going back to your question though, there can be a lot of people that are undiagnosed that has a mental disorder. But you know, it, it might not be in a way that you normally see it in. You know what I'm saying? So at the core of that, I think Or that we expect to see it mm-hmm. in because I think 
Um, a lot of people have this idea of how that looks. It yeah. looks violent. It looks mm-hmm. um, apparent, you know, and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. There are subtleties. Tell me why you looking like that. Because he, 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 he got something up here. He you got something up here. Because a lot of people think like, it's like, you got to be like, like crazy, like stepping on the table and like, right. like, mm-hmm. Right, circled blacking out, and, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like tribal dancing, all that stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like right. you don't, mm-hmm. right? You, it could be the, the person who's backing your groceries at Kroger. Yeah, mm-hmm. you so know we, what I'm saying. We have Chan back on the line. Hi, Chan. We missed you. Hey, we did. So uh, Shanika oh. asked you a question. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, she was not. Um, so um, I was asked if you were in a situation where you felt someone potentially needed uh, to see someone, a, a professional, about their behaviors. How do you approach that subject? They need to go um, deal with their shit. What right. Pasha said. Um, I, I, I always have, like, discussions of, like, substance where I would rather uh, sit and talk about anything. So with that, you know, you get the stories of, like, how somebody was brought up, um, what somebody's family was, what their relationship was. And then with my two-year-old's dad, being that I, I knew him for 15 plus years, you know, in his family, um, his dad wasn't really around. He was the only child with his mom. And his family was a lot of uh, pimps in Milwaukee. Hmm. And a lot that of sh- pimps? Not one, but a lot of pimps. <laughs> several so that, that, pimps? That, showed, that showed a lot about how he looked at women, mm-hmm. how he treated women, mm-hmm. how he talked to women. And over the 15 years, it was kind of like, I had to have like discussions where you can't talk to me like that or you can't approach us like this or the conversation could have went different if you talked to me in a different manner. And he had to learn that, which he did over time. But then you would see slight times of needing to know where you are or him just like come into the house and be like, you better not have no niggas, da 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 da. And I'm just like, why are you talking about this? Like, what in your car, you driving over here, made you think mm-hmm. about having this discussion with me out the blue? He was like, I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> so if you sit in your and 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 you sit in your mind and you make up these scenarios that are not real, that are not happening, but you feel like you need to be super aggressive, or you feel like you need to tell me out the blue. I'm not about to be disrespected by nobody and I'm not about to fight nobody. Anybody disrespect me, I'm going to shoot him in the face. Oh, okay. okay. That that tells me you got hella aggression, you're angry about something, you don't want to sit and discuss anything, but you want to have your slight moods where you want to say what you want to say, but you can't control the ending result of how somebody feels when you say things like that. Yep. Okay. So, so he's very aggressive and he has poor communication skills. But yes. Is that indicative of a mental No, but what, what 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 happened is it led up to us having a child. I have an older child too, but he's always been around in him being angry from a, a small issue the day before and coming to my house leading to him threatening me threatening to shoot me in the face, mm. choking me, punching me in my face, having both my kids there, and us having a year of going back and forth in court, um, him uh, threatening me while still having visitation with my kid, and us now having no relationship. Mm. But we have a kid. 
And my thing is like, all the small times that we had a discussion that I told you, you need to talk to somebody that I told you, maybe you need to sit and have a conversation with your dad because you feel like the black sheep out of all your dad's kids because you don't have a relationship. That's going to bubble into other things. And that's exactly what happened. And let's not overlook the fact you said based upon his um, upbringing or history, it sounds like I'm not a mental health provider. So let me let me let me, okay, let me say that. Yeah. Is that disclaimer? But it does sound like he could be suffering from some type of PTSD. Maybe so. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And PTSD is mm-hmm. not something that we want to correlate with. I was raised, this happened in my past, and this is now potentially affecting. I have these types of reactions when I feel like I did in those types of situations. Also, OCD. OCD can break up a a good relationship as well. You know what I'm saying? If you need to have this goddamn piece of paper in this same spot every damn day, and if I move it, you got an issue with it. I'm not going to be staying around too much longer, okay? Because it's a goddamn piece of paper. But for some people, like those triggers, um, I was watching something. It was... It's one of these videos that come up on Facebook where this person had um, compulsive OCD to the point where if he came in the house, um, he would have to go back to the door because the door would either need to sound a certain type of way or he would need to close the door 10, 20 Mm -hmm. damn times in order to make sure that it was shut. His significant other was right there and was like, you shut the door. He was like, nope, I got to do it again. You know what? And then what he was expecting for her to do was be supportive and go through all of this shit like oh I don't remember if I got the the groceries from the car she's like you got the groceries from the car we need to go back out there and check how many times can I continue to do that shit with you after one time two times five times ten times twenty times now it's we are a year in and you won't even listen to me say to you you brought yeah. the groceries in. No, you, and then you want me to go outside and check with you. I'm not checking mm-hmm. nothing with your crazy And that's, that's where the passion <laughs> crazy, and really? No, know where you at. Yeah. Let's show some compassion. And there, there is compassion to the point where there, certain things may not be something that I want to take on. Mm-hmm. Therefore, right. I need to know about these things before we get 20 years down the road. And I could just have been, you know, in a situation that maybe if I would have known a little bit earlier, because I'm a, I'm an adult as well. So any place mm-hmm. that I remain in is a place that I choose to be in. Um, and no, I don't think that people should in a in the beginning dating stages profess everything that's going on with them. You're right. It's nobody's business. But what I want to parallel or ask the question, um, so we expect for our significant others or people that we're dating at some point in time to mm-hmm. disclose their health issues. And I'm not even talking about um, the, the, the major ones. I'm not talking about sexually transmitted. I'm not talking about any of that. So if you're dating someone who has hypertension, if you're dating someone who has diabetes, you're getting into a relationship with the, you know, people like that. At some point in time, you expect for them to disclose that they have these medical conditions, right? Right. Shanika's looking at me. So you know, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to continue. Go that's ahead, the question. Ahead. Do you? Oh, oh, you know, I never... Th- thought about it. I think it typically comes Expect up. Expect is yeah. a strong word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if we're getting into a relationship and you have type 2 diabetes. Well, I think I would Diabetic. Know. No. Well, well, no, listen, no. Listen, listen, nope. listen. Hear me out. Damn, no. Asha, I think at some point <laughs> that would come out in the wash it, because they're on medication. And, and the people I do know who have those type of illnesses, 
Usually they just, you know, share that type of information. But to I know expect, people. Kevin, I'm on your side. To expect, <laughs> I don't. I know people who have. I know people who have hid the fact that they're on. They have hypertension, mm-hmm. right? Men do it all the time. Shanika, hiding that you have. <laughs> what, why would you hide that? Because there's a side effect to the medication, honey. Oh, that's going to come. Up. No, 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 no. But we've already talked. Oh, oh, I got that. I I caught that joke. Y'all caught it. Y'all caught it. Because ain't nothing coming. Kevin's like, no. Like erectile dysfunction. Yes. 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 Because high blood pressure affects their ability to come up. You know, some people, and you know, like literally, I cannot speak for them, but you know, some people definitely, um, from what I have seen, do feel a sense of insecurity surrounding. Mm -hmm. Um, their health, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. No matter how quote unquote big or small it may seem to us, mm-hmm. who are probably not diagnosed with that. Um, but we still have to allow them to be able to feel comfortable in letting themselves, letting us know something about themselves on their behalf. And that's and that's the point that I'm bringing up. So mm-hmm. the fact that if someone can have hypertension or diabetes, where if they are untreated or if they're not controlled, mm-hmm. this person can fall out. This person can um, have a stroke, can have a coma. That can happen. Yeah. But what? But here it is. If you were to be in a relationship with someone and they did not tell you that, so they fall out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You don't think that you would ever, when the person's recuperating in the hospital, all that stuff, the words you should have told me wouldn't come out your mouth. Did um, you have high blood pressure? No. Like, look, it's a responsibility Shit. factor Shit. because I've, I've worked should in have, Again, it's a strong word. I've worked in corporate jobs where uh, someone had seizures and they had to let the leaders, the sales leaders know that they have seizures. The ambulance came multiple times to that job. I've um, worked with someone who has fallen out in a mall Mm -hmm. because they're having a seizure moment or they have bad asthma. I think personally, when you see yourself um, being in a situation or a place where you know, this is like level two of where something could go left. Let me let this person know so they know what to do. I think if you're suffering from something, then you should know when you should say something. I want to know. It's not hypertension, diabetes. No, that's not going to change anything. But that is a condition that you have that could have a long-term and Mm -hmm. or... you can go into a coma from having diabetes. Like, this is not, I got a cough or I um, have allergies. And allergies can be serious in itself. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is hypertension, diabetes, all of this stuff, this person could be driving your car one day. Let's say you got diabetes driving your car. Okay, bring it back around. Let's get back to the mental health. (laughs) What was the correlation? The correlation was, do you... she lost me. Go ahead. So let me ask this question. So if you had a condition, you wouldn't tell a health condition. You don't feel obligated to tell your significant other that you had. I don't. But at the same time, I would also encourage myself to love myself enough to say, okay, if I am developing real feelings for this person and I see myself being with them long term Mm -hmm. and we're, 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 we're maturing as a couple together... I would encourage myself to have that conversation with them. And I'm yeah. not talking about from a... I'm not talking about dating. You're in a mm-hmm. relationship with someone. Yeah, Isn't, yeah. You're talking about like, even like a friend? 
Because when you say relationship, you talk about romantic relationship, like platonic relationship. I'm talking about a romantic dating. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm not understanding why everybody was jumping down my throat saying that I don't understand why. No, so you lose to me, and I think we're blurring this whole thing when you're talking about high blood pressure related to schizophrenia. Like, no, 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 because it's care about your damn high blood pressure, but I may have a concern about schizophrenia. That's what I'm saying. They're both you lost. Con- they're both conditions. Though. We're, no, we're gonna we're to gonna me, go. There's a spectrum. There, there's there's levels to this thing. I don't think there's levels. And I that, think just, that's, they just are. That's the point that I was bringing up in the fact whatever whatever it is, right? It, mm-hmm. If it's affecting your health, mm-hmm. it's affecting your well being. Yeah. At some point in time, mm-hmm. should you relay that to the person that you're in a relationship? But yeah. if but if but but Shanika doesn't want to. We're going to move on. Give but, us some stats. Okay. Give us some stats. But before we move on, I want to go back go to that example that you had brought up. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to actually think about that. Like, I wanted to, like, thoroughly think about that. So you were saying, like, let's say, like, this person... Let's um, use hypertension. Hypertension? Yeah. Okay. So that person who had hypertension fell out and is in the hospital and woke up from a coma. Mm-hmm. And you said, damn, you should have told me this. Mm-hmm. I say... I would probably say you could have told me this. And then I would also ask, um, what, like, why, why couldn't you, you tell me this? Right. Was, like, if, were you, like, not comfortable? What, is there, is there anything that I can do to help you feel more comfortable in re- relaying, like, your health um, conditions over to me? That And Kevin, you know, I'll agree. Mm-hmm. I, I will change out the word should have with could, could have, have. I, yeah. yeah but but i i think the underlying thing is as is there either you put some sugar on it in regards to well, what was going on why you didn't feel as though you could share that information mm. but it seems like there is a thought that you would ha- you would have liked to have known that yes um wait just that- give it to her just just <laughs> give it to her because she's not gonna let it go wait say that question one more time because would you would you like to know if someone had a medical condition that you were in a relationship with a romantic? I would like to. I would like to, but I would also have to respect boundaries at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is very much so within their right to let me know if they have any like health conditions or anything like that. Um, and of course, like if now if we're talking about like like sexual health and stuff like that, and like like my sexual health is now in jeopardy, like being jeopardized, whatever. Of fucking course, yeah. I expect you to talk to me about that right out the gate. Yeah. But you know, if it's like um, you have general anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes being in a crowded space makes you feel like you're about to die. You know, I I would love for you to tell me that at the beginning of our relationship, or but but ideally, whenever you're most comfortable, because literally. You're the one that's going through that every time we walk into a crowded space, not me. Right. So I have to wait until you say something. So I would definitely, um, I, like I like I said, I would like to, but I would like for them to tell me, but it's really up to, to them. them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why for me personally, I just practice the philosophy that, you know, I, like if, let's say in the future or anytime, whatever, I was diagnosed with a anxiety disorder, whatever the case may be, I would still encourage myself to say, like, I want to talk to this person about this. It might be a tough conversation mm-hmm. and it might not be a tough conversation. Mm-hmm. But I encourage myself to talk with them about that because, you know, if I was not diagnosed, I would probably want to know my own self as well for the sake of you and also my relationship. Gotcha. 
Mm-hmm. Shanika, break down your damn stats because she got about <laughs> 50 million of them. No, 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 no. So going back to what we're talking about, we're talking about mental health as it relates to dating. And Pastor, you brought up um, PTSD. So um, oftentimes when people talk about PTSD, they often correlate it to individuals who were in the military who went <laughs> off to war and things right. like that, right? And but, not people who was going up in the hood exactly, or anything like that. Exactly. Right. So PTSD is a essentially a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event either through experience or witness. So you didn't even have to experience Mm -hmm. the event. You could have been a witness to it Mm -hmm. and that would trigger some form of PTSD. So with that, I wanted to paint a picture and give you some numbers of exactly what this dating pool looks like, Mm -hmm. right? So the first thing I pulled up was the prison population. Because mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that that might be a traumatic experience, right? Yeah. So, um, some of the statistics I pulled up as it relates to prison population. So, there are currently 1.3 million people incarcerated in state prisons. Not county, not federal, not probation, but state p- prisons, period. Mm-hmm. Um, then I broke it down just for for our um, area. Florida, there's almost 100,000 um People incarcerated, Georgia, 52,000, Texas, 136,000, New York, 51,000, California, 115,000. People in prison going through a traumatic experience. Average average term that they're serving is about five years. When they come out, I think we can all agree that somebody on some level have experienced some level of PTSD, depression, bipolar coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, Sexual assault, Um, according to the statistics... Um, 81, no, one in four girls and one in six boys have experienced some sort of sexual abuse before the age of 13. And one in four women and one in seven men have experienced physical violence before the age of, well, throughout the course of their life. Again, these may be um, events that may spark some form of PTSD. Kevin, you said growing up in the hood. Mm -hmm. I know coming from Miami, when I first moved to Atlanta, I would not go to any crowded events. Too many folks out here. Mm. I can't do it. You know, Mm. Um, I never thought of it in terms of, hmm, I might be suffering from some sort of PTSD because, you know, at home, anytime you go anywhere, there's some gunshots popping off. You have to run. You know, something's going on. So never correlated it to PTSD. And I think to your point, um, all of us are maybe on a spectrum, but. Again, there are levels to this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And how we deal with um, those particular issues. But this is our dating pool. Um, Additionally, anxiety um, issues. We have 18% of the population, which is 44 million people over the age of 18 who suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, this is the pool of people we're dating. We're dating. How do we maneuver throughout the whole dating scene, knowing that we're going to encounter these issues. Some other things I I just wrote down as we were talking that I think people don't think of as um, a mental health disorder, body dysmorphia and narcissism. Mm -hmm. I think we see that a lot now with the age of social media and current, I'm not going to say 45, 45. I know a lot of people seem to think there's some form of narcissism that's involved um, <laughs> with how <laughs> how he governs. Um, so, Chan, um, let's talk about social media 
and its effects on mental health. Um, I think Uh, a lot of statistics support that social media has a negative effect and it kind of feeds into this whole narcissistic and body dysmorphic issues that individuals may have. I think for starters, it starts with a person knowing their limits on anything. Like, you know, you can get drink, alcoholic drinks at a certain age, but you know, there's a limit to those drinks. You know, you can smoke cigarettes, but there, you know, there's a limit to how many cigarettes you should probably want to smoke, or you can smoke whatever you want to, the greenery, if you choose. There's limits to everything. But if you are going onto a device, not knowing your limits and not knowing boundaries and not knowing when to step away, not to, you know, indulge in, and you're just on here and you waiting for these likes and you waiting for these people to say something nice to you. And when the first person doesn't say anything good to you, it puts you into like a two week, I don't want to talk to anybody shut down. That's a problem. In regards to how it's, how it's, it's portrayed on social media or how people deal with it with social media. It's, it's, a, it's bad on both ends. It's like nothing should have so much power to shift your mood in life. If you don't have this enough self-confidence to know that you are more than what people say or think, then that's an issue. I don't think social media is for everybody. Main reason why I refuse to get my, my six-year-old a phone. Mm-hmm. When I was six, I wasn't worried about a phone. I was outside. I was playing. I like toys. I like watching shows. These kids want cell phones at six. And then with a cell phone, there's no limit. So they can go on TikTok. They could go on uh, Facebook. They could go on uh, IG. They can see whatever video, Google, whatever the word they want to and get all the information. I think anybody that uses a cell phone or the internet or social media has a responsibility to know what their limits are. And if you are at an age where you do not understand limits or boundaries, you should not have it. Well, um, okay. (laughs) So the child who has the phone was given the phone by their parents. I feel like the responsibility of knowing like the limits and stuff should fall onto the parents to be able to enforce that. I know that with like any phone, you can um, put like parental uh, limits on like what like apps they can have access to or download and stuff. So, you know, and I mean, like I understand that like a lot of, Younger people, including myself, you know, were definitely raised in an era of the internet. And of course, the manifestation of cell phone and laptops and computers happened after that. And it has become very popularized and also the norm. But at the same time, it's the parents' responsibility to make sure that the children are using phones with guidelines and and limitations already enforced onto it. Mm But going back to the original question about the whole body dysmorphia thing Mm -hmm. and also narcissism, Mm -hmm. that I have no clue about because I personally don't know. Like, I'm not a psychiatrist. You know what I'm saying? But you've come across some narcissistic ass people. I think so. (laughs) I 
with narcissistic tendencies, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're diagnosed with it. On the spectrum. They're on the spectrum. Right, it's a spectrum. And, and body dysmorphia, even if you don't know any personally, on social media, I just watched a video yesterday mm. uh, where this woman has, and I don't know, I think she said in the U.S. bra size, she was like a 34ZZ, right? So she has implants that, and she has expanders, and I think she's able to pump her shits up or to adjust as need be. But she's a, so a 34 frame is like, it's a small person. I ain't no 30. Kevin, I ain't no 34. You might, you might. might, The circumference around your rib cage may be a 34 equivalent to what a woman. So that's a, a smaller person. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I don't think and Z, Z, let's just say, I'm a long way from a Z and I'm, I'm rather endowed, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a way, that, that's like, it's extreme. And, and so the, the point with that is, sh- these people are looking at their bodies um, in, in manners or in ways that n- Everybody else wouldn't see that. I was about to say normal. I was, but then I took that back. <laughs> Such as people who body dysmorphia also happens with people who used to, let's say, be overweight and then they've lost the weight and they can't, they still see a fat person. Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. someone who is um, dieting excessively and they are nothing but skin and bones and everybody else can see that they're skin and bones and they don't see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, now mm-hmm. I'm glad that mm-hmm. you gave an example and defined that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I still want to piggyback off of the original example that you said. Um, you were watching something on social media mm-hmm. and there was a, a woman that has a very like well-endowed chest and she has surgeries to make it more bigger, bigger. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see, at the same time, I mean, that could just be her wanting to do that for herself and not really a body dysmorphia kind of thing. Because, for example, and arguably speaking, let's say someone wants to have, I don't know, breast reduction. Mm -hmm. Because they want to have breast reduction, um, not even for aesthetic purposes, just for the sake of fulfilling their own desires amongst their own bodies. Mm -hmm. Because we all own our own bodies. And that's the philosophy that I operate on. And I recognize that that like as as the truth for everyone, everyone owns their own bodies. So it's like if you want to get breast reduction, I, like I cannot say, girl, you have body dysmorphia. No, no, you well, can't. Well, and let me just read this specifically. It's just a, it's a mental illness involving obsessive focus on a perceived flaw in appearance. Mm-hmm. So I think obsessive. Is the operative word there. Obsessive focus. Yeah, on a perceived flaw. Gotcha. So, mm. and then that word flaw, I, I think right. is kind of subjective, but I think of the obsessiveness yes. of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, with this person that I'm talking about, she had, she was married, had a, got a divorce, had two breast augmentations within a three month period and has continued to augment her breast to the point where your frame wouldn't, couldn't, it can, but putting uh, ZZ 6,400 cc's of silicone into your body, that's not even the way that your body's built to handle something like that. So, and she continues to want to increase the size. That's why she has the expanders because now she has to put these Mm -hmm. things to allow her skin to stretch in order to continue to go up in size. Okay, right. pause. Mm-hmm. This is my issue now. 
I remember when people were getting plastic surgery because of a, a medical need. Mm-hmm. Plastic surgery has gone from a medical need to mm-hmm. how much, much you're willing to pay. And I yep. feel like just a lot of people's responsibility as far as the doctor, as far as the person that's saying, hey, I have no medical uh, you know, education on where the limit is. Can you do this for me? They're not going in there putting that silicone in themselves. Them doctors are. So when doctors and, and insurance companies draw a line, then people are going to have to live within those boundaries. The thing is, nobody has boundaries anymore. Everybody has a price. That's true. Mm-hmm. To certain things. I think a lot yeah, of doctors so, have turned down so patients before. It's just like, but they'll go so, someplace else to get it. Like there yeah, is no so, there is no real standard of because what she can't get done in the United States, mm-hmm. she could go to another country and get done where a we're here, the United States. And this is I know we're going off a little bit off topic, but here in the United States, a doctor may say, I'm not going to put any more silicone into your body. Like there's going to be a risk if we continue to do blah, blah, blah. She could go to DR to the Dominican. Yeah. And they'll probably put. Goddamn two bottles of saline in her, two gallons of saline in her if that's what she wants to because there's a cost associated with it. So going back to Shanika, what you were saying about the obsessiveness of Mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. And I think people people have obsessed with um, plastic surgery depending on Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, But even dealing with that from a dating perspective or let's go back to the population of people that we may encounter. So body dysmorphia could be one. So body dysmorphia, um, narcissism. So what I I looked that up, um, it's a disorder in which a person has an inflated sense of self-importance. Of course, we all believe we're important, but some of the symptoms include excessive need for admiration, disregard for others' feelings, and inability to handle criticism and a sense of entitlement. That's social media all day long. Um, We were talking about PTSD, anxiety disorders. Um, Anxiety disorders, they're increasing, increasing significantly, even with children. Um, there's a lot of reasons people have floating out there as to why it's increasing. Um, and I don't think we need to go into that, but I think the point is it's a thing. We are dealing with this more and more so, I think, um, from a dating perspective. And one of the things I heard you didn't say it, but I heard you say it, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and reading in between what you were saying is that line. Like, where is that line between this being a mental disorder and this just being a thing? That's what I heard you say. You didn't say it, but that's what I heard okay. you say. Like a, like a thing that's the, like not diagnosed. Or it, it could just be something that's not a medical condition, but it's just a thing. Yeah. So if okay. I, when she was talking about body dysmorphia, maybe I just want bigger breasts. That doesn't mean I have a body mm. dysmorphia. Right. Um, but, but also th- at the same time, that does not negate the fact that you also have to have self-responsibility to make mm-hmm. sure that you are making healthy decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, right. if your doctor here in Atlanta, Georgia said, <laughs> Georgia. Yeah. If, if, if she said to you, hey, Johnny, listen, you cannot get bigger breasts or else your health is going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. And then Johnny wants to fly out to Sweden or Luxembourg to get those silicones planted. Then, I mean, it's still up to Johnny's responsibility to be like, yo, like, do I really want to do this for myself or no? Mm-hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, 
it falls back onto self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So even with dating, so how does that look? So if you're dating someone and let, let's take it to something that's more reasonable, such as somebody's in the gym four or five hours a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, bulking up, bulking seven up. Seven days big. a week. Okay. Yeah, seven days a week, bulking up, just getting bigger and bigger. At what point do you say, baby, um, I think you're doing too much, baby. Mm, you're doing too much. You're good. You know, do you I, know somebody like that, Kevin? Yeah, it, <laughs> See, it was there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the gaze, honestly. <laughs> but, like, I mean, really and truly, I feel like, you see, for me, I personally don't really, and I thank God, the fact that I don't really deal with anybody who's like obsessive about going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Although I have been in close, well, not really close relationships because we're not a thing no more. But I did talk to this one guy who, um, I've noticed that before, he was very lean and skinny, like back in like 2017. And then I remember um, a few months after after I met him, um, he started going to the gym. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I would watch his stories on Snap. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, that's cool. He's, you know, he's consistent with working out and all that good stuff. Then, you know, I started to notice a little bit stuff here and there. I started to notice that, you know, he like, because he would repost, like, other guys that he finds attractive on his own stuff on his own snap so of course like it's but it was like of of guys who were very muscular and stuff Mm -hmm. for me being the intuitive girl that i am i was like okay clearly this nigga is like some gym head who is very like like gung-ho about building his body because every fucking day i kid you not like he kept he he was in the gym posting it and then also like posting some shady stuff towards people who don't go to the gym too mm-hmm. so for me that was just like okay so you know he hit me up one day and we about to get the tea y'all i wanted to <laughs> i wanted to push the buttons cuz i know this is going to piss him off um I was like, he was like, hey, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, nothing much chilling. What about you? He was like, nothing much to head to the gym. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, uh, I hate the gym, <laughs> even though I don't hate the gym. <laughs> but I was like, I hate the gym. And he was like, what? What do you mean? Why do you hate the gym? I was like, because I'm just not obsessed about going to the gym and working out. Like, I'm just not, you know, in this superficial, like, kind of way that's about going to working out, like, going to the gym to work out. And, of course, it was like a tit for tat. But one thing that was exposed during that conversation was the fact that he felt that if you did not work out, you was one lazy son of a bitch, basically. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was like, you know, it's so crazy because I remember a time where you weren't this macho-ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, you was... Very fucking skinny as skin of this goddamn pencil. Like, but literally, like, that's just, I was like, wow. But as far as body dysmorphia goes, I mean, because I don't know. I'm, I'm, well, I think that would maybe go into like narcissism. That's probably, yeah. Maybe so. Um, on the spectrum of narcissism. Mm-hmm. So again, I think there, there are levels to this thing. I think most and we can pop, possibly and, deal with the one end of the spectrum. But when you start getting over into, the other end, I think that that's when the eyebrow or is this, raised. And the fact, let me not say or, and the fact that we encounter people like this, whether the, what part of the strep spectrum they're on on a daily basis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so from a dating perspective, how do we navigate dealing with 
there's probably going to be a high population of people who are going to display some type of narcissistic behavior, um, mm-hmm. whether they be using social media to in a way that's unhealthy because that's an avenue in itself that can be correlated to something either um, from a mental health condition or it could just be something that's just too, too much of. Um, we have this the, the pool of people, like you said, who have been to jail, who have experienced some type of trauma. Um, jail could be trauma in itself. Um, when when we put these numbers... Abuse. Abuse, sexual, physical, physical, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And let's not negate the fact that mental health sometimes originates from no trauma at all. Mm-hmm. It could be mm-hmm. um, a chemical imbalance. A chemical ba- yeah, in itself. Uh-huh. So where do we set our boundaries to, to be safe um, in dating so that we know what we're going to deal with, what we're not going to deal with, um, what we're open to, what we're not open to, what we'll receive, what we won't receive. Mm-hmm. How do we set those boundaries? I think Chan made a very good point earlier in the show when she spoke about communication. First of all, um, I think we need to take the googly eyes off, you know, and and approach it for what it is. In this moment, can I deal with this thing, whatever that thing is, can I deal with it? If it makes your booty itch, the conversation (laughs) needs to be had. You sure that ain't just a dirty uh, booty? You know. (laughs) No, no. Some people make your butt itch like, oh my God, you're so irritating. Mm -hmm. And address it. Mm -hmm. And if you can't deal with it, if it if that behavior never changes, this is just Shanika speaking, if that behavior behavior never changes, can I deal with it? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then you need to go ahead and part ways as far as a relationship type. You can still maintain a platonic thing if that's what you want to do. But going forward as a couple, Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't going to work out. And what about awareness? Just being aware of some of the information that we've shared today, right? Knowing that there are people who are going through things, whether they be diagnosed or not diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And being, as Kevin said, being showing compassion. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, being understanding, mm-hmm. um, being open mm-hmm. and being open and honest enough to do no harm to someone in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. So let's say they haven't revealed it, but you've kind of with communication and things like that identified that this may not be something that you want to do. It's OK to break it off. Um yes. And I've said this before, you know, breaking up with somebody or cutting something off with somebody is not the worst fucking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it should be handled in a certain way. And then to reciprocate that, if, if people who are listening, diagnosed, undiagnosed, I think um, getting to the point in which you are comfortable or at the time when you are comfortable to share, I think that you should share. And I think you should be open, honest and aware that because there's somebody else that's involved in the relationship they may decide that they don't want to deal with it. And at that point mm-hmm. in time, you know, being okay with that as well. And if it morphs into a regular friendship or this was just an experience that we had, we shared good times, but we came to our fork in the road and we needed to go our separate ways. Um, be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think people need to kind of um, utilize some of the resources that's available to them. I know a lot of employers offer employee assistance programs. Um, in addition to their, there seems to be an online, um, a lot of online therapy, uh, outlets or venues that I've found 
So you can use that. <laughs> I also think friends help. I was going to say that. Friends. Um, and what I found is just going through life, a lot of people don't have friends, Pasha. No, a lot of people don't have. A lot of people don't have close friends that they can confide in. Yeah. I'll just say that. So that kind of adds to whatever issues they're going through. You making this face, Kevin? People don't have friends. No, wait. I'm just trying to understand. When you say friends help, as far as like diagnosing a condition? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. In some cases... Hold on, let me mute this shit because nobody wants to hear all of that. All of that phlegm in her throat. Oh my God. Are you talking about friends just being there for... That was a remnant of my Chick-fil-A. I think she was talking about friends being there for people (laughs) and being honest. Because I was going to say... I'm just having somebody to talk talk to. to. Well, Well, how about this? How many of us as friends feel as though we are true friends that if someone was going, something was happening to someone you identified, somebody's going through tough times, you are actually there for someone. You know, there's a difference between someone, you calling someone and you asking them how they're doing. The normal response and what we're all comfortable with is, I'm good. Are you prepared for the person who tells you that they're not good? Hell yeah. Because a lot of people are. A lot of people are. I'm going to tell you. The normal reaction, if I call Shanika, hey, Shanika, how you doing? Hey, bitch, how you doing? And if, or if I was to say, you ask me how I'm doing and I'll be like, I'm not doing well. A lot of people don't know what to do with the I'm not doing well. So what happens after that, that conversation? I ask you if you're, if you want to talk about it and if you, you want to expand on that. What about every, how many people do you know are able to have that conversation? Not a lot. Mm. But that's why I hate when people in public be like, how are you doing? Like, And I tell them for real, I'm not doing good, but I'm just here. Because sometimes people need a different response to understand that, well, maybe that's a question I shouldn't be asking somebody that I really don't care about how they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fine to just say hello. But I think any relationship needs that recycled energy. Like if I sat here and I listened to you vent for the last three days, if I call you three weeks from now and I'm not in the best place, can you sit there and listen to me vent? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just a matter of listening. And if you can't assist past that, advise them to resources that may be uh, beneficial to them. I mean, I've even offered my EAP from my workplace. Hey, look, I can't Mm -hmm. help you, but you can use this. Um, Yes, Mm -hmm. you're right. And I also want to, I personally, if I could, uh, if I could give a hug to Chan through the phone, I would. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Because I want to say, like, thank you for being you and thank thank you for being real. Because when you tell people, you know, your your honest truth, like, you know, today's not such a good day, mm-hmm. but I am just here. You're helping to reinforce the fact that we live in a real world mm-hmm. where, with real people. And not every day is a happy day for everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, not every day is, is mm-hmm. happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I really like that you did that mm-hmm. because that encourages me to be a little bit more honest mm-hmm. yeah. when I'm not having such a vibrant day. And someone mm-hmm. asks me how I'm doing and I just tell them, girl, I'm not really feeling today as much as I could be. And that's actually something that I do say, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I've mm-hmm. been doing that. But, yeah, I like mm-hmm. that because it's truthful. It and is truthful. Mm-hmm. And I think it allows, like you said, for people to 
realize that it's okay with not always being okay. Hell yeah, the fuck? Mm-hmm. That would be unrealistic if we was just happy all day, every day. We're humans. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> we're all a work in progress. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. So, Shanique, we're about to wrap things up. You got anything else for us? Mm-mm. Well, I would like to say something. Mm-hmm. Um... I want to thank everyone for listening out today. Mm. And I also want to personally thank Chan for calling us today, um, as well as Pasha and Shanika for inviting me to talk with you guys about this subject. Um, Also, uh, if you guys would love to check out my YouTube channel um, and contact me on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Fopolo, F-A-U-X-P-O-L-O. And on YouTube, I'm Kevin Wealth TV. That's K-E-V-I-N-W-E-A-L-T-H TV. And... um, yeah. Talk wait, let's tell them a little bit more about how, you know, you you are uh actively trying to raise people's vibrations and their <laughs> vibes. No, I'm serious. Like yes. after talking about mental health, yes. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They may need to have an out we we all need outlets of good vibrations right. and good vibes. So talk a little bit about your channel. Yes, but let me say this first. Psychological help is different than spiritual help. Mm-hmm. Um that mm-hmm. is the first and foremost thing. When you have to have yourself psychologically help. Get yourself professional psychological help. Now, for my television channel on YouTube, <laughs> that specifically <laughs> is lifestyle and also a lot of different um, thought-provoking topics that I talk about on my channel. And also a lot of manifestation tips and tricks as well. Um, so when I say raising people's vibrations, it's helping them to be able to understand life from a different and higher perspective and helping to give them tools where it's not really draining to like want to achieve your goals and stuff. It's like encouraging in a sense. And I, I have a, <laughs> I have so many different ways of doing that on my channel. But also, um, I talk a lot about blockchain technology, which is like Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, cryptocurrencies, and the marriage of that with spirituality and the Black community as well. So it's a lot of different things. But you guys can definitely check out my content and also um, reach out to me on Instagram if you'd like. I, I, I love I love today. Like, this was really good. Okay. Thank you. And Chan Chan, tell me about yourself. Um, well, you can check me out at She Gets It Podcast um, on Apple, CastBox, Spotify. Yes, she gets it. <laughs> you should get me on uh, IG at she underscore get underscore it pod and my website is www.whoishan.com and today is just all about you know getting the information and the knowledge there's no reason why someone should be out here in life saying i can't i don't know how there's too many resources and that's when i like i like podcasting for that reason Mm -hmm. there's so much information everything's out there. You're able to reach someone a million miles away and get feedback on something you didn't know any clue about. Mm -hmm. So just sharing everything that everyone said today helped probably a hundred more people. And as long as we keep sharing and we keep sending and we keep texting and we keep making these videos, this is an example of how social media helps. Gotcha. 
And I want to say that today is the first time that we, as Real Talk with Pastor B, me and Shanika has had an opportunity to collab with another podcaster and another creative, I'm going to say, on a official level. So we want to thank Kevin and Chan for sharing this platform with us. Um, If you have not already liked, subscribed, and shared the Real Talk with Pastor B podcast, please do so. We are currently now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify. You can also hey. check hey, you can also check the podcast out on the uh website, which is ordinarypeoplemedia.com. And again, thank you guys for sharing this your time and being very candid with us. Um, this was a dope, dope, dope session. So you, this probably won't be the last time that you'll hear from Kevin and or Chan. Hopefully they'll come back to visit us soon. I will. Yes, yes. yes. All right. But until next time, y'all, peace. <laughs>